Welcome to the Sport Feels Life podcast, where we're bringing you interviews with coaches and athletes at the top of their game. This is a community to support coaches, athletes, and fans who share a passion for making the world a better place through athletics. We are serving our community and providing a variety of resources to grow and win as a team in the sports we play and the life we live. We are your hosts. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And we're so excited to bring you all things Sport Feels Life. Hey, Ashley, how's it going? I'm actually really stressed out right now about my fall volleyball team. Oh, no. What's going on? Sports funding at our school is cut by 75% because of the pandemic. And now our players aren't going to have the equipment and uniform updates that we were hoping for. That does sound stressful, but have you heard about Team Connections' Team Store fundraising platform? I think it could really help you out this season. No, I actually haven't. Tell me more. Well, not only can you use this fundraiser to boost team spirit during these crazy times, but you can also customize merchandise on top brands with your team's logo to earn cash back for your program without even having to send your players out door to door to collect money or worrying about delivering orders. The Team Connection Team Store is a COVID-safe fundraising platform that can make a big difference for your team this year. Oh, wow. That sounds like exactly what I need. How do I get a team store set up? Setting up your own team store is easy and free. Simply go to teamconnection.com and select the team stores tab to learn more. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm going right now. Our guest today is Iditarod champion, adventure, and ultra runner, Pete Ripmaster. I love this conversation so much, and I know you all will too. Not only has Pete faced howling wolves, a brush with death, and a daunting journey across Alaskan wilderness to win the 2018 1,000-mile Iditarod Trail Invitational, he's also a keynote speaker and soon-to-be author. Currently, Pete is recapturing the spirit of adventure that won him the Iditarod and inspired him to complete 50 marathons in 50 states. With his Owl Run Hundreds project, He is trailblazing a new adventure in hopes of inspiring others to dream big and create positive change along the way. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Pete Ripmaster. Hey, Pete, welcome to the show. We're so excited to chat with you today. Kick us off and just tell us a little bit about your background and your path leading up to where you are. Please do talk about your Iditarod journey as well. Sure. Yes. Um, I was born in Michigan and grew up big time athlete, you know, loved all the ball sports, uh, played everything that you could think of chasing a ball or hitting people, you know, very active. And, And then I started kind of burning out on team sports right around the time that I was like getting recruited to play college sports and things. I just was thinking, you know, I just don't think this path is for me. And for a while, I just kind of moved on. But I had this burning feeling, uh, you know, the athleticism that I have, I didn't want to let it go to waste. So there was a few years where I was just thinking, boy, oh boy, I've just kind of given it all away. So it took a long time before I kind of got my bearings back. And, and I had been through a lot of emotional things and a lot of loss. I, I lost both of my parents. I've dealt with depression my whole life. So there were some dark times to get through. But once I kind of landed on my feet, uh, of which my wife was a big help 
in that I somehow found running, or I should say running found me. And then that kind of started a journey that I would have never been able to predict, but it has led to all types of fulfillment in the athletic arena that is pretty obscure and, and different. So I think it will be fun to talk about. Yeah, what a story and way to just kind of transition your athleticism throughout your entire life. Could you tell us a little more about the Iditarod? Yes. When I was in fifth grade, I had a really rough year. I was bullied really, really bad throughout my whole fifth grade year. So, you know, of course, there's tons of terrible things that happened because of that. But one of the best things, and now I'm able to look back on a positive spin, but I look back and I really delved into books during that time. You know, I, I would just kind of get lost in books because it was just a saving grace for me. And it was just something that I could kind of get my mind off what was happening and, and kind of, and, and I was very interested in adventurous stories, you know, the Wild West and polar explorers. And, and then I read a story about Balto and I did her lead dog. And it just kind of sent me into this whole thing about how I'm going to be an Iditarod musher. So I always imagined that at some point I would run the Iditarod with dogs. So that was my dream since fifth grade. And then so in the early 2000s, after losing my mom, I really kind of was lost. And I figured the best way to find myself would be to move to Alaska and start running these sled dogs like it was a dream of mine. I was just kind of wait time and I figured this was the time. So I went up in the early 2000s and ran sled dogs for Iditarod mushers and was just beginning the journey of learning what I needed to to put my own team together and that. And I found that running sled dogs was too much for me. I'm a very simple person and having the dog lot that I worked in at the time had around 250 dogs in it. And so I was taking care of 100 dogs a day and it was such hard work and each dog had their own issues, foot issues, you know, some were in heat, some were mean. And it was just so many moving parts that for me, it was just, it, I saw the writing on the wall and thought, whoa, man, I'm, unfortunately, I think I'm going to give up on this I did or I dream just because I think now that I see what it's all about, it's not exactly what I want. So I, I moved back down to the lower 48 and just kind of went about my business and, and started running and started running in, in, uh, originally, the, the reason I started running was only to raise money for cancer research. I had lost my mom, like I told you, and I wanted to raise money in her honor. And I figured the easiest way to do that would be to be run some marathons and raise money. So I decided to run 50 marathons in 50 states. And I did that and within about five years. And uh, towards the end of that, I started running much longer distance races, uh, as they call their ultra marathons, uh, you know, 50 miles, 100 miles, 200 miles, and all these things. And next thing I know, I read an article about this race called the Iditarod Trail Invitational. And it was a human-powered event on the Iditarod Trail where you can go the same trail that the mushers and the dogs go, only you run it and you haul a sled behind you. And so once I read that article, it was like, okay, well, so this was made for me. Exactly. Like, you know, like, like, okay, this is it for me. And so that, that's what started me on my path to the Iditarod Trail Invitational. And then it was a long, long journey to finally finishing the route all the way to Nome and winning the race uh, a couple of years ago. Wow. Congratulations, by the way. That is insane. I mean, I can't imagine doing that. And 
just to clarify for our listeners out there, it is 1,000 miles, correct? Yes, it's, a, it's around 1,000 miles. It's, it kind of changes every year because the way that the race is set up, it's on a lot of rivers and things, and the rivers set up different ways, and you might have to go a different route one year than the next. So the numbers change. Um, it's, you, I, I would say it's in the upper 900s. Some people call it a thousand. Some people say a thousand forty-nine because it's the forty-ninth state, and so there's all types of different numbers thrown around there. But yeah, it's around a thousand, and uh, wow. yeah, it's, we follow the same route as the dogs, and we actually start a week before the I did rod sled dog race. So we actually the the people that try and go a thousand miles are actually passed by all the sled dog teams on the route on the way. So that's pretty exciting. So in pursuing a challenge like that, how do you even get your body to properly recover from something like that? You know, I haven't put myself through that much pressure many times. I did that race five years in a row. The first year I ran 350, the second year I ran 350, and then I attempted the thousand mile. I had a near-death experience one year, falling through a frozen river into open water and barely being able to crawl out. And I, I went a, a 300 more miles after that accident and just realized that I was unraveled. And I was just about to get on the Yukon River, which looks like an ocean, frozen ocean. And I just thought, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going home to my wife and kids. I'm flustered and I don't have what I got 500 miles which is halfway to the finish and quit. So in 2016, I quit. In 2017, I went back and I dealt with minus 65 degree Fahrenheit weather on the trail. And only a handful of us went 350 miles, even though I was still trying to go a thousand. So I quit again. And so, um, and, and then leading to 2018, where I finally put it together. And as far as my 2018 Iditarod Trail Invitational, uh, it took the life out of me. I'm not, I'm not certain I'm still back from it, to be honest, or ever will be. To give the best description of how much it took out of me, I like to share this story that when I started that race in 2018, I was 210 pounds, which is about where I am right now. And when I finished that race, uh, 26 and a half days later, I was 169 pounds. I lost almost 50 pounds on the trail just because you run at such a deficit. There's no way you can eat enough to fuel yourself for what you're doing. I averaged 38 miles a day for 26 and a half days. And so you run at a deficit very quickly in that race. And so by the end of it, I was just physically, I was nothing. I was beat up. I was sore. I was tired. I, I was hungry. I was sad. All these things. Mentally, I was still strong. And so I'm a huge advocate that the mental aspect of these types of sports is more important than physical. And I truly believe that. I believe that too. That's my jaw is on the ground right now. Just for everyone to know, my jaw is on the ground. I'm in shock right now. There are so many questions I have to follow up with what you just said. Like, first of all, what is it about your mental toughness, your stamina and your mental health? Like, how do you, how do you navigate that? A lot of it, it to be honest, is, is a mix of my faith, my, my Christian faith, and then also a big dose of mindfulness. So I have been on a, a absolute mission to find peace and to find mindfulness. And, and to me, what that means is embracing the moment. 
I have worked with a psychologist for years. Like I said, I've been through a lot of tough things in my life and have needed help. You know, I'm, I'm freely open to say that, you know, I'm just a person that uh, struggles and, and, and needs help, needs others' love and guidance and all these things. And so um, mentally, I've got myself to a place where, and I just need to share this. It's important to my story. And so, you know, um, my psychologist, before all this Iditarod stuff, he would always used to ask me, Peter, you are a professional at beating yourself up about things that have happened in your past or decisions you've made that you wish you didn't or this, that, or the other. Or if you're not beating yourself up about your past, then you're thinking, oh boy, well, I got to get to this place. And once I get here, then I'm going to be happy. And once I do this, then I'll really find fulfillment. And he would say, out of those two extremes, can you tell me what you're missing from that equation? And I honestly, 100% had no idea what he was asking about. And I was doing all this, you know, this searching, you know, listening to all these gurus and spiritual teachers, and they would all be talking about mindfulness, but it just seemed kind of like mumbo jumbo. Like it seemed like kind of fancy talk, but it didn't really resonate. And then as I was about 800 miles into the Iditarod on foot, I was in a really bad place, really tired, really bad weather, by myself, in the wilderness, you know, not much food left, all these bad things. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about this mindfulness, and I, and I kept thinking about these questions that my psychologist had asked me, and all of a sudden, it came to me on the trail, and I thought to myself right away, I said, oh my gosh, it's present moment that I have been missing out on almost my entire adult life. I have been either in the past or in the future without giving any thought to this moment right now. And once that overtook me, it was like an epiphany. I started laughing hysterically because I was just like, I can't believe I've missed this. And at that point, I honestly felt like I could have left the Iditarod Trail not won the race, not finished the race, and gotten from it what I wanted. So that will let you know how much, how important it is to me that I want it or that I, you know, I wanted to finish that thing, but I was searching and it was an internal search. And I think mindfulness is what I came away with. So it has helped me immensely over these two years since the race. And now I just, I find so much more peace in my life because I'm not going in those directions, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. So my follow-up to the first thing that you were talking about, you kind of brushed over it like it's not a big deal at all, but you had a near-death experience, and I'd yes. love to hear more about that. Yes. I was by myself. This is in 2016 on the Iditarod Trail. I was going into a very dangerous section. Things were getting dark, and I was going over this area, that uh, the Tatina River, which is known to be the most dangerous section of the entire Iditarod. So you're talking about a thousand mile Iditarod race, and you're talking about a, about a two or three mile section of frozen river that you have to navigate that is just eerily dangerous. I mean, you see open water left and right. It could be 50 below and you're still seeing open water all over the places. And there's little bridges that people make from wood that go over, you know, like dangerous spots. And that year there wasn't a lot of snow. So things were really loose. I have to say too, I was overweight. I was not in great shape that year. I was pulling a big sled and I was going over probably the most dangerous section. And I was, um, if you can imagine, you're crossing a frozen river. 
there's snow and ice on top of the river, but you hear the water rushing underneath you. And all you're doing is walking across and I'm taking my trekking pole and I'm trying to hit in front of me to make test it and sound for it to make sure it sounds solid. Then I take another step and I hit my pole down again and I'm trying to methodically cross the river that way. And about halfway over the river, right in the middle of the river, I, I put my pole down again to hit and I hit and it was just a hundred percent collapse of the ice bridge. And the, before I knew it, I was falling down through air into open water. I fell into open water over my head. Luckily got a one breath of big air before I went under, was able to surface with all my clothes, with my sled underwater, and I started trying to crawl out of the ice that I had fallen through. But every time I'd try and crawl out, I would knock more ice down and I would fall back in the water. And after numerous times of trying to crawl out, I was cussing and yelling and crying. I had visions of my wife and kids. And I was thinking, holy shit, this is it. This is how it's gonna go. Um, I think this might be when I die. And I, and, and I, I mean, all these things, and, and it was one of these times where you don't realize whether it's 20 seconds or two minutes, all this adrenaline is coursing through your body. And, and next thing I was able to just crawl out enough to where I could roll my body over the side. And then I got out. And next thing you know, now it's the, now it's the survival because now you're frozen and you're wet and it's cold and it's dark and you're alone and you're scared. And, and, uh, and so I had to go another couple miles over this same frozen river thinking that every step I take, I'm going under until I got to a checkpoint where I was able to be helped by some Iditarod folks. And they took me in and dried my gear and warmed me up and fed me. And, 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 uh, and so it was very touch and go. I mean, I won't let anyone minimize this story because they weren't there. And to me, it was as close as a man can get to death. And so I, I actually got out and I made a decision to keep going after this. And I went 300 more miles. And then, like I say, I got halfway and I just said, I. I'm not mentally there. I don't, and then I started questioning whether I could even ever do the race again. So that is crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine just the amount of courage and determination that you had to have to overcome that and then keep going. I mean, save yourself when no one is around. I, I can't even imagine. You have to have a sense of adventure and enjoy seeking risks where do you think you developed that sense of adventure and how does that fit into your family oh, life that's now such a great question i love that and i'm so proud to answer it because there's a direct like to me there's a direct lineage of adventure in my family and i'm so it's such a cool story to share but um my my distant cousin is amelia Earhart. So Amelia Earhart is in my family tree. She's in my bloodline. And when I was young, my grandparents would tell me about her and I read books about her. And I just thought to myself, I cannot believe that someone like this is in my family because, you know, obviously she had a huge dose of adventurism in, in her body too. I mean, doing the things she did by herself, first woman this, first woman that, but first person, you know, I just, I had so much respect for her story and so I look at what I've put myself through and I, and you know, this might come off as a little cocky, but at, but like when I was young and I knew that she was in my family tree, 
I wanted to make a life like that. Like I wanted people to be talking about me hundreds of years after I died, you know? So I was always like gung ho about like, I want to live that life. Like I know I will at some point. And it's the funniest thing. Cause I grew up in Birmingham, Michigan, which is like a, fluent suburbs where you know people drive all these nice cars and live in all these mansions and country clubs and I dealt with all that stuff growing up you know but I saw through all that you know I just knew that that had no bearing on my life even though I came from money and I was around money and my family I was just like no I want to I want to have an adventurous life and so I just, I almost just promised myself that I would take the steps needed to someday be in the position where I was taking on adventures like I am. Wow. I, I mean, you are maybe one of the most interesting people I've talked to. So I'm wondering, since you've traveled so much, what's mm -hmm. one thing about all this journeying that has surprised you? I, I mean, you've said a lot that's been surprising so far, but I guess like what's been the biggest surprise of all of your adventures so far? You know, I, I can't say that anything has been a giant surprise because like I said, everything has been pointing to this, you know, like, you know, I, and, and I, I guess I will say is that, you know, there were all these years and I talked about them. I, I spoke about that. There were some dark years in my life. There were some years that I was drinking way too much. And, 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 you know, there were all these years where I was really wild. I mean, you know, where I used to climb mountains at midnight and sleep on summits and put myself into dangerous positions. But like, I learned how to rock climb. I learned how to ice climb. I learned how to mountaineer. I learned how to, you know, kayak. I learned how to fly fish. And it's like, I, at the time, I had no idea that all I would need to put all of this together for something so big. There was times when I was like, my life is just hit and miss. You know, it's little of this, little, and I loved it. I, I think of myself as somewhat of a renaissance man. Like, I want to I be able to do 50 things well. Like, I, I personally don't really care too much for people that are super famous because they can do one thing well like my my personal life is like great that's cool that you can do shoot baskets really well that's awesome but who are you what else are you what else can you do what what do you do for others you know so i've always kind of lived an obscure life i've looked up to people that are not mainstream you know and, and now it's like people say oh you've done this and that but yeah it's still way under the radar you know it's not like i've been on all these magazines and been interviewed you know it's still like very it, it's just it, it's amazing to me that i have i've had these world-class adventures but still am able to walk around and just be one of the uh, a crew and i love that you know like that, that that means so much to me i look at every single person as they have a story they're fighting something they there's something that they're longing for and i i love helping others to find you know to inspire them to find their own story so i guess what i'd be most surprised about is how many people i've been able to impact now i don't say that in a prideful way but getting letters almost every day from people that say thank you for being so authentic and for being open about your struggles because it's helped me and now i've lost 65 pounds in two years and i've kept it off and I've, if i wouldn't have heard you speak i would 
but never been able to do that. And so I look at this as inspiration and inspiration is passed along people. Like people say, you've inspired me. Well, I've been inspired by many other people too. So it's this, this beautiful thing that just gets passed along. So I think that's probably something that surprises me most, just that all these obscure decisions I've made have got me to a point where I actually have a platform to inspire others and, and, and let them see that the best thing to do is to be helpful to other people. You know, I just am a firm believer that the best feelings you can get are helping other people rather than receiving things from other people. So that's just the way I live. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. Yes. Okay. So who are some of your heroes or who's inspiring you then? Who are some of my heroes? I would say in the realm of the races that I've done and things, I have a few, uh, Dave Johnston, Tim Hewitt, Bayot and Jill. There's just a handful of people that, you know, like in the races that we do, there's so much ego involved, right? Like there's so many people that you just look at and you listen to and you're like, oh my gosh, all you're doing is talking about yourself, you know? And it's like how many races you've run and you you won this race and I've done, you know, and, 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 and my biggest problem with people these days is it's the topper mentality. You know, you'll say, someone will say, oh, well, hey, I ran a half marathon. And rather than saying, hey, that's awesome. Congratulations. Someone has to say, oh, that's cool. Well, I've run 59 marathons myself, you know, to just like, and it's the dripping with ego, the ultra running world. And so there's certain people that I've met that have transcended that world and, 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 you know, somehow made their running and their adventures, not about, Hey, look at me, look how great I am, but sharing their stories in a very humble way. And so they don't come around very often, to be honest with you. And it's also tough because, and a lot of ultra runners, there's not a lot of money in our sport. So people kind of feel the need to really kind of sell out to get sponsors and stuff. So it's like, you hear people talk and you're like, that ain't you. You're just saying the things that you feel the need to say to try and make people like you. And, you know, so I've always kind of like, so like my heroes and, and just so you know, I have no idols. I have no idols, period. I have people I look up to, but I have been through so much in my life and I have actually met some, like when I was younger, I had idols and I got a chance to meet some of my idols idols and very quickly I realized oh my gosh I had this mental picture of them as so awesome and then you meet them and they're jerks and you're going oh wow I didn't see that coming and so I really have no idols there's no one I like oh I look up to and I want their autograph and I want to them to sign my shoes and stuff you know I don't care in in that regard so you know I look up to firefighters I look up to doctors I look up to people that give back you know so I don't look up to like NBA players and I don't look up to like the super famous ultra runners you know that have millions of followers like I'm just I pretty much think that I don't like 99% of pop culture. So I don't expect 99% of pop culture to like me or appreciate what I bring to the table. <laughs> that is fair. And you can just totally hear the authenticity and passion in your voice. It would be hard to think that you're doing this just for yourself. And you can just tell that your story is so incredible and we are just doing it to inspire others. And I'm sure that drives you to success. I guess to your point earlier about you just kind of seeking out these different challenges to tackle, 
is there a location or adventure that you haven't yet tackled that you've currently got your eye Absolutely. on? Absolutely. I, I would love to go to the South Pole. I would love to do a Arctic or Antarctic expedition. That to me would be just about the coolest, coolest adventure that's, you know, that's out there. I, I know enough of myself to know that I have a lot to learn. Like, you know, obviously I've been through a lot and I've done a lot of tough stuff, but I'm humble enough to know that that doesn't translate to me going to do a South Pole expedition. So there's got to be some, you know, some things that I take on between now and then. So that's kind of on the back burner because also I'm, a, you know, like I mentioned, I'm a husband and a father and my kids are in school. And, you know, I hated leaving my kids for a month when I'd leave for the Iditarod. I mean, it it broke me down. I would have to sneak out in the middle of the night because I could not stand saying goodbye to my kids and my wife, you know, and giving those, those hugs, knowing what I was going to do. So I would have to like sneak out in the middle of the night and say, sorry, girls, I'll talk to you on the phone. But I mean, you, daddy will break down, you know, so I don't, you know, so I know that right now, something that's very important to me is being a father and being there for my children. And so I don't even see that happening even in the next few years. My girls are nine and 11 now, and it's a very important time in their life. And so, you know, it's very important for for me to just know what's important right now. And although I would love, you know, if I were doing this adventure stuff, and it was before that I met my, my wife and got married and had kids, I would be all over this world. You would not be able to tie me down. I would be doing adventures left and right in far-flung places. But I've made decisions that have made me think about long-term. And so, you know, um, those are dangerous expeditions, and I would want to be well-trained, and I would absolutely want to go with somebody else. I've done enough solo stuff to know that the stakes are high when you're by yourself. If something goes wrong, it's it's very iffy. So I I would love to go with somebody else. I've been talking to a couple of you know badass adventurers that that might someday want to take this on with me, and we've started kind of starting to talk through it. But you know it's it's definitely far down the line. Definitely wise to not yes. go alone on this crazy thing sometimes, especially yes. when you've got kids at home. I we've kind of talked through your challenges and stuff, and your life is just so interesting to me. I'm shocked that there's not somebody trying to make a movie out of your entire experience. But if there were, and maybe there is, and you're just not allowed to talk about it yet, who would play you in a movie? Oh, he's dead. It would have been Patrick Swayze. Oh. <laughs> no, oh. I have this I have this like male crush on Swayze. I always have <laughs> I always have this Swayze humor that I use with me and my friends. And so it's uh no I d I don't know. Um that that's so funny. That it's funny you say that. I'm actually getting very close to finishing my first book. Yay! Um, I, yay! I'm so excited too. It's been such a long process, and it's uh and boy oh boy, you know, um, I thought you know I'm so confident with my life, and I'm open to you know speak about all these things in my life, and you know I I just figured it, it's not gonna. But boy, you go back to your whole life, and you, it brings up so many things, you know, and. Uh, and so I really was an open book, you know, as much as I could be out of respect for everyone that I've dealt with in my life and things. And so um, that's going to come. And again, it's very interesting because it's not like I sit here with like a huge following. I, I, I really, it's kind of funny, you know, and so I don't know whether my book will come out and sell 500 copies or 5 million, you know, and that's kind of 
of fun, you know, and, and it's fine with me. You know, I'm not, I don't have my ego attached to it, so I don't need to sell this many books or put some type of label on it, you know, to make me happy. I'm just like, the real thing that I was, I felt important to do this book was just to get my life story out there, you know, as for my family, you know, and, and for my friends and family, and just to let people know, you know, because people look at my life, and they're like, how in the heck did you end up doing this stuff? And it's like, well, if you look at my life, there's a definite theme running all the way through it, you know, but you have to dig a little deeper. So I was doing that through the book. And so hopefully within the next six months or a year, that book comes out and, you know, um, you know, I've had a lot of people come up and say, Oh, the, you know, your, your story is incredible. It's going to be a movie someday. And who's, and I'm going to, and who's going to play it. And I was just like, Whoa, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot that needs to happen between now and then. And, and I'm just a humble person. So again, I don't look at myself as special. I do realize that my life has been unique. Okay. So I will give you that. Okay. So, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, stupid enough to not see that it's very unique what I've chosen and hopefully people want to read a story that's different and unique and and you know so so I'm excited about that but we'll just have to wait and see that's down the line well it's certainly powerful do you have a title for your book yet no I'm working on a couple um one that I thought was fun I don't think it will be the working title but one was um Dr. Jekyll, Peter Rittmaster. <laughs> so it's like, um, I, I thought just because like in, in many of my ways, you might see me as one thing, but there's other things going on and there's two sides. And I, I don't know, that was kind of a homemade oh, uh, wow. fun one. Um, my daughter came up with one the other day, um, which she thought, and, and she thought the title should be The Long Way Home. And I thought, Wow. That is profound from an 11 year old to think of my life wow. and think of that title because it really is so true that I wasn't really comfortable in my own skin for so long in this life. You know, I was so worried about impressing people or trying to fit in with people or trying to, you know, wear the clothes that this person wore. So, you know, I was just like a, I, oh gosh, I, I won't use terrible language about myself, but I was just you know, I just didn't have a soul, you know, I was just searching. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff came to where I just became so comfortable with who I was. And so like the long way home, I don't know, maybe that ends up being the title. And it'd be pretty cool if my daughter came up with it. But yeah, something, something to those lines. But yeah, I just I'm very excited about it. I've worked with an awesome author. We've got along really, really well. And he's really talented. So um, I'm excited about kind of We've done one chapter at a time. I think there's maybe 16 chapters. And so every time I'm working on a chapter, it's just that chapter, you know, and so you can't really see how it kind of comes together. So right now we're just kind of putting it all together for the first time and it's powerful. And so I'm excited about that. They say that writing is one of the best ways to heal too from all yes. the things that you've been through. Oh my gosh, if you only knew how many times I would be writing things and next thing you know, there'd be teardrops all over, you know, because I've just, I've been so hurt in my life. I've dealt with so much darkness, you know, and it's just a part of me, but I feel like because I've seen such darkness and been through such depths of, of, of hurt, I have an understanding of when things are good. 
-hmm. you know, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but like I've been through so many tough times that when things are good, I can take them for being good right then. And I really embrace them. You know, I realize how good it is. I realize that it's going to change. It's, it's going to be fleeting, but I'm happy right now and I'm smiling right now. So it's really helped my life so much. I can't imagine, like I would give the Iditarod championship and finishing the Iditarod like I had been dreaming about since fifth grade, I would give all that away for the lessons I learned on the trail, period, end of story. Wow. And I mean, hey, it's almost as if you've learned to enjoy and live in the present through all this. And I think just being able to open up about all parts of your story just takes a higher level of confidence and, just, you know, being satisfied and comfortable in your own skin to be able to open up and share that with the world is pretty bold. So I guess my next question would be for yes. any distance runners who are aspiring to complete their own challenge or, you know, marathon, whatever it may be, if it is an identitrod, yeah. what advice do you have for them? Or even if it's not necessarily a runner, just anyone pursuing a high level challenge of their I, own? My, I think my number one piece of advice for people is to use failures as stepping stones to success. <laughs> there it is. I mean, you know, I, I, I think so many people like try and try and, and they fail. And when they fail, they feel like they, you know, they're a failure, you know, and I'm such a big advocate of people just being in the arena. You know, they're the, that old quote about being in the arena and, and all these people that talk, all these small minded people that, 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 you know, armchair quarterbacks that talk about what you should have done. And well, they're not there, you know, so just getting outside and getting your, you know, getting muddy, feeling that wind on your face is always taking the first steps is the hardest. But as far as running goes, um, I would say like a lot of people would be like, oh, well, I've run, you know, a 10K, but I could never run a marathon. I always tell people, be very careful about what language you use when you're speaking about yourself. And never is such a terrible word. You know, like, are you kidding me? You've run six miles and somehow you think that 26 is impossible. Like our ancestors used to walk 30 miles a day, every day. Like we don't, we have forgotten that. You know, now that we have these super jets and airplanes and cars and one wheels and, you know, scooters with motors, we have forgotten how efficient walking can be. And like, forget running, walk. <laughs> you know, an awesome thing I recommend highly for people that want to get into running, but say they maybe have, haven't run in a long time, or they've kind of let themselves get to a place where they're not happy with their body and they're just trying to get back. I, what I found is so many people will then try and go, okay, well, I'm going to run today and I'm going to run every day from now on. And they go out and they try and run and they want to run like they remember running, but it doesn't happen right away. So now all of a sudden there's this anger and there's this like, oh, I can't do it. And then they quit. And, th and next thing you know, they're back to the same lifestyle. So I, I always recommend run walk, which is a great way to start out. And that might even be, you might jog for two minutes and then walk for two minutes and then jog for two minutes and you do that for a week or two and see how that goes and next thing you know you're going to be feeling much better and then all of a sudden you're going to then say you're going to run for three minutes and walk for a minute and you do that for a week and next thing you know you're running and you don't need to walk and that's a great way to kind of take baby steps to it so i think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to go too far too fast too soon that is great advice. Yeah, just because I feel like people 
when they don't get or see the results they want immediately, they just get frustrated or give up. But that is a great piece of advice for anyone yes. who wants to get into this distance running. Just break it up into small, attainable and lastly, baby steps. very quickly, if you're if you're jogging or if you're running and you're you know out of breath, you're you're running too hard. You need to slow down. I mean, that's a very simple you know, kind of very, very simple thing that people can use. Like, you know, if, if you're out of breath and you can't keep your breath the same, like take nice, solid, deep breaths, then you're pushing it too hard. You should be slowing down and get that heart rate lower. And, and so, you know, that's just another, an, another advice, piece of advice. That's really good advice. I, I need to listen to that advice. <laughs> <laughs> myself too. I'm saying it to myself too. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned you've got this book and everything, but what else is coming up that you're excited about? Yes. I'll tell you a couple things. One is I have started a virtual Iditarod race during this pandemic, which is just brutal for runners who are used to going to big races and having competition and seeing their friends and so we've done, I've started with a couple of my friends. I've started at this, it's called Rad Endurance. And it's a business that we started where we're putting on virtual races. And we've gotten over 500 people to sign up for this uh, Iditarod, virtual Iditarod race. And as we've been going about a week and it's a two month thing. So that's very exciting. Um, there's a huge like community and Facebook community through that. That's so supportive and cool that like I would highly recommend runners, even if they don't want to take on a virtual challenge to join our group, just because it's just such a rewarding, inspiring group of people that are all positive and helping each other out. That's been really fun. And then on a personal level, it's funny, I haven't mentioned this at all, but I'm kind of in the mid, I'm not kind of, I'm in the middle of a huge endurance project that I've taken on called Owl Run Hundreds. And it's, I'm, I'm attempting to be the first person to run a hundred mile endurance run in all 50 states. So it's a huge project. I, you know, like I said, I ran 50 marathons in 50 states from 2008 to 2013. And there's roughly 1,500 people that have done that in this country. And so I started doing a little bit of research and trying to figure out if anyone has run a 100-mile run in all 50 states and found that no one has ever done it. Um, so I'm taking that on. So I am planning about six or 700-mile races a year. Um, I have been in October, which will be my 10th state, West Virginia in November, which will be my 11th state, Florida in December, which will be my 12th state. And then that will get me through this year. And that I think will be 700 so that I'll run this year. And then I'll do that for as long as I need to, to finish that. And I'm raising money for Owl Research Institute. I'm very into ornithology and studying hawks and owls. I had a snowy owl visit me on the Iditarod Trail when I was all alone, lost in last place my first year. And uh, it was a very spiritual encounter. So I've always wanted to do something to help, you know, conservation and education for owls. So I've already raised over $10,000 for Owl Research Institute, who's a small nonprofit in Montana. And so I'll be raising money all the way through this whole project for them. And so again, it's just, it's, it's daunting because I have 41, 100 mile runs left to do, but using the mindfulness bit, I don't worry about that. I'm just thinking of the one that's next and I'm putting all my energy into that and then seeing what happens down the line. So it's pretty exciting. That is extremely exciting. You are literally all over the place. I mean, that totally. is incredible. So <laughs> I guess for our listeners, I am truly inspired and 
I'm sure they are as well. Where can they follow you in your journey? Um, I guess if you have a Twitter or somewhere online that they can follow these next steps. Yeah, absolutely. I have a Facebook and Instagram. So it's Pete Ritmaster and I'll run hundreds and you can just kind of type that in. Um, I also have a website. I do a lot of public speaking as well. So I travel the country and do talks. And that is something that is so fun for me. And I can't believe that I can make a living off of sharing stories that I absolutely adore sharing. So that's kind of taken off. And now I'm at, you know, I'm being asked by corporations and groups and things to kind of fly and come in and share with their team and, and that. So that's been really awesome. So that's a, you know, opportunity for people if they wanted to, you know, talk about having me come. So um, pretty much take every opportunity I can. And I, and I love sharing my story all over this country. So um, yeah, but PeteRittmaster.com, Facebook, Pete Rittmaster, and then uh, Instagram, Pete Rittmaster. And I'm just not hip enough to tweet yet. So I, I no worries. that's probably ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and also sharing your time with us. I, I know that we both wish you the best of luck and we're so inspired by you today. Thank you so much. I love this. Thanks for the opportunity to share my story. And y'all did a wonderful job too. Oh. So um, I, wish you, I wish you both the best right back at you. Thank you so much for your time as well. What an inspiring person. It seems like there is no end to the risks and adventures Pete is willing to take. Totally. I'm still in shock that he almost died in the frozen waters of Alaska and then went on to run an additional 300 miles in the Iditarod. Such a life lesson in perseverance and tenacity for all of us. He's incredible. Well, as always, guys, we are so grateful that you took time out of your day to come and listen to our show. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so others can find us more easily. It really means a lot to us and it helps us get the word out. Yes, and we're always looking for new stories to share here on our show. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tell us their story by nominating them at our website, sportfieldlife.com. Thanks for listening. 